0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The Cup Interviews. My name is Jillian Robinson. I am the associate producer here at Cup of Hemlock Theatre, and today I am extremely excited to be joined by a phenomenal friend and current castmate and astonishing colleague, Logan Hickey. Woohoo! How are you doing, Logan?
1: I'm doing well today. It's been a pretty good day so far, so I'm happy to be here.
0: Mm-hmm. As like a fun fact for today's episode, Logan is actually here primarily on behalf of TYT Theater. So we're gonna be talking a lot about TYT Theater, which is a theater company for young audiences here in Toronto, and we'll get into Logan's position with TYT and all that good stuff. But as always, before we dive completely in, we're gonna do our little icebreaker. So. Logan, welcome to the cup. I'm going to ask you, what is in your cup today?
1: Well, currently I have in a lovely wine glass, a Coca-Cola. Who knew? <laughs> so, kind of basic, but uh, I was feeling something a little sweet and that's what, uh, what was beckoning me. <laughs> Love it.
0: Little bump of caffeine.
1: Yeah, needed that today. And uh, yes. a long couple of days of rehearsals and and fun things, so uh, yeah, I needed that extra zip in my step. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. the time of recording too, it's for me at least it's the transition between seasons right now we're kind of diving into spring and yep. I find exhaustion levels, allergy levels, everything is just bubbling in my body and it's, sleep, caffeine, anything to get the energy levels where we want them.
1: Very much that, like I always find that when the weather swings dramatically for me, my body goes through a bit of shock and shuts down a little bit and then has to recalibrate. And it doesn't help that we had a couple very like voice intensive days in rehearsals. So everything's kind of feeling a little bit loosey-goosey right now, so we're working on it. We're here,
0: (laughs) we love it. Um, Like, thank
1: you for the warm weather. (laughs) Yes,
0: yes. Yeah, it definitely feels like even like the air and the asphalt has that rain smell to it when there's precipitation, which I'm like, ooh, that means spring is here.
1: Very Um, much that.
0: I guess I'm kind of not intentionally, but springy today. I have a floral sundress happening right now. That's another thing I'm excited about, breaking out all the sundresses. And I have some... I'm tricking myself today. So, usually <laughs> I don't drink caffeine. So, this is decaf, but it's decaf oh. chocolate hazelnut coffee, I believe.
1: Oh, that and my sounds yummy.
0: Floral tumbler. So, yeah, we're really embracing Spring
1: is in, in the air. It is. <laughs> Unfortunately, um, I don't know about you, but where I'm at, it's a little bit more overcast and gloomy today. Like yesterday, it was a lovely eight degrees. I went for a five kilometer walk yesterday, which Ooh. is a rare thing for me, but I was like, let's do it and definitely worth that the vitamin d even just coming in from the sun was just what i needed
0: absolutely yeah building up that stamina in nature exactly yes (laughs) Yes. We'll get into it, but both Logan and I are probably going to be rocking heels in the next show that's happening. Very much heels. Stamina (laughs) is key. Okay, so we've given little Easter eggs also on a spring theme of what we're going to be chatting about today, but let's roll it back. Tell us about yourself, Logan, and obviously about TYT, but I want to hear about Mm -hmm. Logan first. How did you, Logan, get into the performing industry?
1: So it's kind of been a long-ish journey for myself. I'm almost 30. My birthday's coming up in another month and a half or so. And so I've actually gone through two post-secondary programs, but it all goes back to, sorry, and both are related to the theater industry, actually. But it all kind of goes back to grade 8 music, of all things. My teacher showed us, played us the original London cast of Phantom of the Opera. And it was that very first chord kind of in just, I felt it through my body, you know, for anybody who's not familiar with the show, it opens with an auction scene and then they reveal the chandelier that sort of takes everything back in time. And this wonderful chord progression sort of rings out and it just sent shivers down my spine. And so since then, I started singing. I did a lot of performing in high school within a few different productions. We did, I was in Footloose, Bye Bye Birdie, and Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, which was fun. I got to play a very fabulous Potiphar, as well as assistant direct, which is. And then I went to York University and did my undergrad in theater production. When I graduated from that, I was very kind of down on myself because I hadn't performed in a long time and was like, okay, I'm never gonna be a performer, so I'm just gonna do production. And then my mother actually convinced me in my final year of the theater program to just at least take voice lessons. So I reached out to the classical voice department at York because they didn't have a musical theater department or anything like that. And I got speaking to the head of the voice department and was like, I'd like to take some lessons. They actually had just closed lessons to non-music students, though. And I was like, all right, can I just audition? And the head of the voice department had said to me all right, you can, and if you have a good audition and have a good voice, we'll see what we can do. And then I got strep the week of (laughs) of the audition and had a little panic, but still went in, learned an aria in German, which I had never done before, sang for the audition, and afterwards she has said to me, well, it's my last year before I retire, so I'm gonna take you on. And she took me under her wing personally for my last year at the theater department, and I loved it so much and felt so invigorated that the next year I started a second program and started in the classical singing department at York for a year. And unfortunately, they cut some courses that I was really interested in. So I actually left and went to Randolph College for the Performing Arts for Musical Theater. And through that, I ended up on my journey with TYT. You know, through the pandemic, I we think all of our industry sort of shut down. So I was kind of like, all right, I'm just going to figure out something else to do and then just happened to kind of get back into it through a stage manager contract at Randolph, actually, and then from there into TYT and kind of been going ever since.
0: Woohoo! Oh my gosh, what an illustrious trajectory you've had. Yeah,
1: I don't have many regrets about it other than Mm -hmm. the amount of money I had to pay (laughs) to do it all, you know, but beyond that, it's like, I wouldn't be who I am now if I didn't go on that trajectory. And I'm a big believer in things happen for a reason, Absolutely. While I might not believe in a higher power, I do believe that everything that comes into our lives can give us the opportunity to enrich our lives. And I've changed a lot since, like the person who started at York like almost a decade ago, oops, is not anywhere close to the human I am now, which is kind of wonderful.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, it's definitely one of those things you look back and in when you're in the thick of it, you're like, is this the right path? Is yeah. this what I want to be doing? Am I making any choices that I'm going to regret. But then when you have that feeling of, oh yeah, I'm on this path and you look back or you look behind and you're like, oh, because of all those stepping stones that kind of brought me to here. Yeah. And
1: it's neat because I've had a couple full circle moments because even some folks who I went to York with who then I didn't speak to for most of a decade are now starting to sort of reintegrate into my life again through actually this podcast and through a couple other parts of my life. And it's been kind of lovely because there are connections that I just didn't think I had anymore that have been sort of trickling back in. So it's really been a bit of a full circle moment.
0: Right. I always have, there's a mantra, my my nanny, what I call my grandma, on my mom's side, she would always say, what is for you won't go past you. Mm. And I feel like it's, yeah, when you reminisce on people that have been in your life and then just virtue of paths you choose or like your busy schedules, you fall off the track of being pals, and then all of a sudden they pop up again. It's like, oh, you're supposed to be in my orb. Our universes have collided in some shape or form for a reason.
1: Yeah, and it might be very sort of spiritual sounding, but I'm a firm believer of like, people come into your lives for a reason, whether it's to learn a hard lesson in the short term or Mm -hmm. long term, or to enrich your life in the short or long term. And the people who are meant to be there will find their way back in strange yeah. ways. An example that I can just think from my real life, non-theater life is my parents had some close friends, you know, in high school when they were getting married, literally multiple decades apart, did not talk. And then at a high school reunion, they got back together. And now my mom has this group of women who she was friends with in high school who they go away on the occasional vacation and do little trips together, you know, and sure, lives life paths deviate. They will connect when you need them.
0: Yeah, exactly. I think this is a lovely segue to talking about letting us know a little bit about TYT theater, because that, as you and I both know, is a lovely community space to be a part of. So, yeah, I'm going to give you the floor of talk about what is TYT theater?
1: So TYT theater, the biggest thing that kind of stood out about it to me from when I first joined the company um, is that it is really an equitable company. They support, like everybody within the company supports each other. They ensure an equal pay structure. Everything is above board when you talk about, you know, why, you know, rates of pay are the way they are, why rehearsals are the way they are. And they really strive to make sure that everybody's needs are met to a certain extent within the purview of the theater. Like for example, because we can't, we don't pay, you know, Mervish rates. We accommodate with that by having an extremely flexible schedule around everyone's schedule. So once a week, myself or the producer or sometimes the stage manager will sit down and coordinate everyone's availability together to make sure that not only do we touch everything on everything that we need it need for the shows, but that everyone's availability is taken into account because we know, you know, everybody's got jobs. If you're in the theater industry, even at some of the higher levels. It can be tricky to do that full time and still support yourself with, you know, rising costs of expenses and whatnot. So we do what we can to make sure that we can be flexible around your work schedule. And it's just been lovely to be a part of somewhere that really values each individual for what you bring to the table. Um, and genuinely takes in the opinion of every individual. Like it's rare sometimes where you'll find like a costume designer who really does listen to the actor's input on a costume for a theater show rather than just their own image, or Mm -hmm. a producer who, uh, or a set builder who really listens to your feedback on how something is constructed. And it does create this lovely community, which is why I think for a lot of our shows, like for example, for our pantos, it often attracts the same folks because it is genuinely such a positive experience that people keep coming back again and again, which is amazing (laughs) because you get to work in a way with a bunch of, and work and grow with a bunch of awesome people.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. And I'm one of those examples. (laughs) Obviously, viewers, listeners, if you've been following to date, it's no surprise or yeah, I guess that's the way to put it. I (laughs) came out of actually right before the pandemic, I was geared up and ready to play Rapunzel in the Rapunzel pantomime with TYT theater. Pandemic happened. And then when we started coming out of COVID hibernation, things were still going on, but theater was opening up again. And I came back with the team as Rapunzel and the Rapunzel pantomime. And phenomenal experience. That was the end of 2021. Unfortunately, we had to shorten that run due to Omicron. But then when Evan, our producer at TYT Theater, when he was like, let's, we're going to try to do Rapunzel again. I was like, yes, I'm bo- I'm on board. I'm down because I had such an enriching experience coming out of the pandemic. I think I've said this before in other episodes. I had severe imposter syndrome, which oh, I think ditto. now <laughs> I can <laughs> confidently say I'm kind of getting over that now, which is a massive thing for my ultra- Sensitive criticizing personal brain, but I like I actually had so much imposter syndrome going into that first run of of Rapunzel, but we did it. It was such a supportive family space. Yes, there was no hierarchy, there was no diva ness. Like everyone knew they were there to work, to be professional, and to play. Like there's always that constant balance in TYT spaces, which is why I keep. Part of the reason to keep coming back. But (laughs) I actually remember when we reopened in the spring of 2022, I actually had like an emotional breakdown during rehearsal. Like I had just like imposter syndrome meets oversensitive empathetic nature. Like there was just a a vibe that unfortunately came in the room, but held the space and was so supportive. And it's just like, these are the deep sort of caverns of beauty and supportiveness that TYT can offer. And it's just things that like the quality of productions are phenomenal. And I mean, I guess I'm biased a little bit in the productions (laughs) that I'm in, but in the other shows, which we'll get into, like you can just tell that there is such an infusion of support and chemistry and family vibes. And that's, I always say like a piece will be phenomenal because the cast is so strong and phenomenally genuine with each other. And that just, like, TYT bleeds that into every one of its pieces. I agree. Um,
1: I would agree with that.
0: Yeah. So, came back for the extension of Cinderella Panto last winter. <laughs> so, November, December for Buttons, the MC character. And then, we'll get into this too, but I'm on it. I'm here again for Princess in the P. So, it's one of those <laughs> things, like, I I... I would not be coming back as often if I wasn't enjoying my time, if I didn't feel respected, if I didn't feel I was growing, if I didn't feel this experience was a stepping stone in my own personal career as well. So, but all of those boxes are always checked with TYT theater. So.
1: It's just a fun environment. Like really you, especially because it's kids theater, you can't help but play, you have to play and find the pleasure to play, regardless of the character you are, whether you're the baddie, whether you're the goodie, whether you're, you know, a silly pig or or an anxious elephant, like you always have to find that pleasure to play, especially in kids theater. And I find that it is a space that has been cultivated by the producers and by just the people all involved in the theater that really benefits Even learning within what you're working on, especially as a performer, like I can relate to having imposter syndrome, especially when, so when COVID hit, and this goes back to my journey with theater, I was slated to play Ursula in my graduating terms, Little Mermaid. But then when COVID hit, Disney revoked the rights because they didn't want us to do it in an online forum. Mm. Uh, which was heartbreaking because that is a dream role for me yeah. and it is on my docket to go for when I eventually see another for it but uh, then I switched to be playing a character called Wreck from A Wonderful Town which is a very different character. I'm someone who's part of the LGBTQIA plus community so I was like cool I get to drag it up and be Ursula and then I get to play Wreck who is a really big dumb football player. And while I learned a lot through that production, especially a lot about camera work, it was essentially a master class in how to work a camera angles, especially for like self tapes in that, like we learned every step of the way. Mm-hmm. For me, it was just a little heartbreaking because I had my dream role in the palm of my hands. And then it was like, and I mean, it was the circumstances and what have you, but that kind of really led to me kind of finally going, you know what, screw this, this is a sign from you know, the powers that be, I'm not meant to do theater, goodbye. And then post-pandemic, or really, as we were starting to navigate out of the worst of the pandemic, things just kind of lined up.
0: Yeah, and part of that trajectory was you getting involved with TYT Theater. So walk us yeah. through, like you've,
1: spoiler alert,
0: have worn <laughs> many hats for TYT. Yep. So yeah, walk us through that whole journey for you.
1: Well, how it started was I got a contract at Randolph. They reached out to me because they needed a stage manager for their graduating class who did Guys and Dolls. It was a great class. I love the students. And actually, some of them have now joined TYT for a few of the productions. So it's lovely to have that familiarity going into the rehearsal space. But so I started as stage manager and I did a little also wore the hats of TD and PM a little bit during that run, which is where I met our producer at TYT Theatre, Evan who helped build our set, really helped, he built the set. (laughs) He worked hard and helped get it done for us. And it was so much fun and we just worked really well together that he was like, hey, let's have a meeting. So we sat down, he picked my brain about my goals in the theater industry, the trajectory I wanna be on, and he happened to need a stage manager for this Cinderella pantomime. And I said, Les, yes, let's do it. Because I finally was getting a taste of the theater community that I had been missing through my contract at Randolph. And I was like, okay, yes, please. Because we just got along very well. And so then I started as a stage manager for Cinderella. I did a little bit of production management for a production of One Christmas Carol right before Christmas. Then I got on as stage manager for Elephant and Piggies. We are in a play based on the Mo Willems books about the same characters. And then I finally said, you know what? I want to audition for you because performing is where my heart is. I'm good at the technical aspects. I'm a good stage manager. I can help build sets. I'm a production coordinate like I wear many hats, but where I thrive most and find my most the most of my joy in the industry is performing. And I was like, you know what? Pantos always have a drag character. So why the heck not? And so I auditioned for Princess Den P, and now we're here.
0: (laughs) Woohoo! Yeah, I can totally relate to the being really good at the technical side of things, too. Like I said this on the podcast, like I did some digital stage management over the pandemic mm. and I was really good at it. And I did enjoy it. I like it's kind of like the organizer motherly vibes in me that just naturally comes. But absolutely, I am radiating the same as you. <laughs> My heart was like, I want to perform and no, it's this thing, it's this like, and it's like those skill sets, regardless of what hat you're wearing, like they don't go away. But no. like, I, it just, it does take like a moment of like, okay, you kind of, your brain feels like you're pulled in opposite directions. <laughs> and you're like, okay, I have to focus on what I really want and just trust that everything else is gonna come with me in some shape or yeah. form. Like the other day when we had rehearsal and Tal, our stage manager for Prince of the P, wasn't there. Logan, you being in the space and keeping us on track, it me being your fellow performer and castmate, I was like, Oh my gosh, yes, we have. I forgot that there's like another stage manager brain yep. in this cast aside from mine. Like, this is great, we're always gonna be on time, we're always gonna do things. Excuse me, but yeah, there is that kind of like, What path should you go down? Yes, yes, and then realizing, like, I have this is so wild, but I have this thing, like. Years down the line when I want to start having children of my own, I have this vision of me like full on pregnancy belly with like a clipboard in hand and I am stage (laughs) managing every show I can get my hands on because I'm like that we can do. (coughs) Excuse me. But yeah, but it's, it's the classic thing of, yeah, what do you want now? So good for you for like navigating that and. Getting your gears into place.
1: It's tricky sometimes for sure. And like the way I look at it is like, I will do, I like doing this, the production stuff. It helps pay the bills. My passion's for acting, but I'm just happy being in the room and very much like the skill set used. I was worried that post graduation, because with the pandemic, to be quite frank, I really, pardon me, did not do a lot of singing or acting training or physical work or anything. It was basically two years, of, almost two years of nothing. Really. And there was a bit of mental health stuff that kind of crept in because it was like, oh, now I'm completely cut off from this industry that helps feed my soul. Like one of my biggest for a per, like on a personal level, one of my biggest things is I want to do something that fills my cup and that continues filling my cup. Right. There we go. That's on
2: brand.
1: (laughs) Right. (laughs) And so like having that completely taken away, like I'm not an office worker. I have a mind for paperwork and I don't mind having it as part of my of my duties amongst like in the theater. I have no problem participating in the paperwork aspect, but it doesn't give me the same thrill and joy as performing and just even being in the room. So that was a whole like heartbreaking moment for me. And there was a little bit of worry once I actually got into and we started rehearsals for Princess and the Pea. For me, there's a bit of worry of like, oh, did I lose these skills? You know, because I haven't done them for two plus years. You know, I have I have had COVID three times, which does also come with some health aspects. Like I have noticed a little bit of lingering brain fog. Like cognitively, I'm not at the same level I was three, four years ago. So getting this role, I was like, okay, will I be able to memorize my lines as well as I used to? Will I be able to, you know, flex my musical theory brain again? And it's been wonderful. Like, obviously, I'm not where I was three years ago but it hasn't all left me. And stepping back into that role of, I'm now a performer, doing my line work, learning songs, even just figuring out on the page, on the sheet music, what notes are where, you know, when the music director says, we're gonna change this note to a different one. I can figure that out still. I didn't lose that ability, which has been absolutely wonderful.
0: Right. Yeah, there's been so many hurdles. Like, like thank you for bringing that up again. Like COVID in general affecting physical health affecting mental health and COVID from like an active, like having it, but also, yeah, COVID throwing us on hiatus, whether we Mm -hmm. liked it or not, pulling us out of dream roles, pulling us out of, you know, a trajectory we're going down and having to wear a different hat or having to step in the shoes of different characters. It's really like, taken us by the shoulders and been like, okay, what happens what, when we shake you up?
1: What was really tricky I found with, and it goes for like film, TV, theater. What I found was really hard was that the smaller venues were kind of left, like on a governmental, like political level and health level, they were kind of left to last. They prioritized things like, you know, the Mervis Mir- shows and the bigger film and TV sets and that. They prioritized reopening those over the little theaters so folks who were newer in the industry or graduated just before COVID or even yeah. during COVID didn't have those avenues to jump into like TYT because like you said with the Rapunzel Panto, it you know closed basically two times beca- because of COVID and then reopened again. So it's that it's that sort of struggle that a lot of young and not just young, but new artists to the industry have had lately gaining traction. And only really over the last year have we've seen a lot of those smaller venues that are kind of an extension of training or a stepping stone to other things are now able to do things again. And it's been wonderful to be a part of that process.
0: Absolutely. And a lovely segue to, yes, Logan just said, TYT theater is a space and a home for folks who are fresh out of graduating or want to get back into the space, getting involved however you want as Mm a performer, as volunteer basis. Like TYT opens their doors. Absolutely. And has quite a boisterous programming Session or season rather coming down the line. So let's actually. You've got a lot
1: of fun stuff coming out. Let's up. get into that. <laughs>
0: yeah. And yeah. So I guess timelining TYT Theater a little bit. What programming is on the horizon and kind of where, where's the company come?
1: Yeah. yeah. We've had, we're in a really unique, because the, this, the company in its current sort of iteration, um, only really started about a year and a half, give or take a go. And so we've been doing a bunch of smaller runs of shows. And recently we had, and this is a wonderful problem to have as a theater, we had a show that opened, this Elephant and Piggies, we were in a play. And we originally, I believe it was either 16 or 20 show run. We're now up to 51 shows. We've just done our last extension, April 12th and April 15th, because everything else, like we're 100% sold out. And we hadn't had that happen yet. So it's been kind of really mind blowing. So if you haven't seen it yet, and, and really it is, though it is a kid's show, it is fun for everybody. I brought a friend of mine into our invited dress rehearsal and he was a theater academic and we got three quarters of the way through the play. And even, and he looked at me at the end of the show and went, I didn't realize like, like these, like. Kids' characters were going to make me yeah. feel that way or move me the way that they moved me. So and this, just- is,
0: this is this Graham McClellan, right? Yeah, Graham's been a panel on the cup. It nice. This episode, so yeah. Oh
1: yeah, <laughs> Graham and I go all the way back to York. Uh, he's actually one of the people who I, when I mentioned earlier, folks coming full circle back into your life. He's one of the folks who have come back into my life, and I've been very grateful for. And so. I love <laughs> yeah, he's absolutely fantastic. And he's got a fascinating mind when it comes to theater. So I yeah. really liked that feedback because I was like, cool, we can move people even with a show that's meant for children.
0: Yeah, because uh, Ryan, like Ryan of the Cup and I went to the that invited dress as well. And I, the first thing I said to Evan and the team afterwards was like, thank you so much for brightening my dreary yeah. January, February dark Toronto overcast.
2: Yep. Dry vibes.
0: <laughs> Anyone who lives in Toronto or at a time when, you know, January, February, March can be the toughest times mental health yep. wise and weather wise. And it was, it's just like elephant and piggy is such a bright show on a literal sense. Like the yes. set and the costumings literally sparkle and its message is I was, what I would say is for the kids and the big kids too. Mm-hmm. And honestly, that piece, I was like, you know what? I, The kids are going to have a ball. That's, oh, yeah. that's not my worry. The parents are going to be moved. Yes. Like, Especially if they're coming in like chaotic. I just, I got to get my kid to see something yeah. different. If we need to get <laughs> out of the house. Blah, 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 blah. And then they sit and Elephant and Piggy were in a play. I just like watching parents exit. Like I know it was the invited dress I primarily went to, but w- watching like, Some of the parents who were there with kids exit, you could just see there's like this, like they're relaxed. They were calmed. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's something really neat about TYT's programming in general. Like it's even though the marketing is for kids, it's it really is a family affair and everyone gets something out of it.
1: We try to make sure that in our shows, it is obviously we have certain shows that are targeted. Like we we started with a show called for ages one to five called Wake Up Brother Bear. That was very popular and interactive for kids. And it was many people's very first theater experience. And now we just opened, but when this episode comes out, it'll have been about two weeks prior Mouse on the Move, which is our next interactive for that same age group. So we have something like, sure, those are, that's more geared for the kids, but The adults in the room get to see the the amazement in the kids' eyes as they get to go and interact with a character who they believe is this character. And same thing goes with like Elephant and Piggy. The message is about connecting. At the end of it all, you distill it down, it's about connection between these two people. And for me, that message coming out of COVID is so important because we lost a lot of those connections. And so just being able to say, like, there's a song called, we'll be friends, you know, and part of the message is we'll be friends no matter what, like, regardless of the situation and the distance, we're still friends. And so that's, I find that there's a lot of that sort of undercurrent with our shows and the programming we choose as well. And it does have an appeal to big kids and little kids, you know, it'll hopefully fill your cup (laughs) to put it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I was going to talk about the space being like catering to that, but we'll leave that because we do have a question about the theater in which TYT theater resides.
1: Yeah. So I can, I'll touch on the programming because that was just sort of, of the, course, the yeah. younger stuff, and, Yeah, but to sort of loop it back to like the pantos that we've been talking about, the next one that we're, the next show that'll be opening is in the P, a pantomime based on that fairy tale written in house as well by Evan, our producer. And it's his third third show that he, uh, Panto, he's written for the theater. And it, again, I would say even that too has that undercurrent of connection. Mm-hmm. Regardless of whether you're me, Dame Peachy Poppins, or you're the queen, or you're the, the princess in it, or, you know, the other any of the other characters. It's all about the connection that these characters have on this journey. And we yep. just happen to do fun, silly things and interact with the audience along the way. And I think that's my favorite part about a Panto is that you can have those sort of really fun moments and change someone, I don't wanna say change someone's life, but change someone's perspective perhaps, or lift someone up because there is that pleasure to play involved in the show, there's a silliness involved, but it's mm. also about the connecting of the people and the characters. Absolutely. Um, so that's our next uh, our next show that we're opening. For so that, we have a really cool show, Girl Who Swallowed a Cactus, which is a one-person show with puppets. It's about environmentalism and our world, and it's just a very cool and intimate show because when you have just one performer on stage, there is a closeness with the audience, and I think that's going to be a really fun production. It's just in rehearsals right now. And then we get to look at, as we're moving past that in, through the summer and even into the fall, we've got a couple of really fun things lined up, like A Year with Frog and Toad, based on the classic book that has been around for literally a few generations. and mm. is That one will of, literally
0: be for the kids now and yeah, the kids. And the kids, kids later. <laughs> they read those
1: as kids. <laughs> exactly. And it's just, again, but about the plays about friendships. And connections and sort of that transcending of species, even, you know, you have a frog and a toad who are best friends and you meet a snail along the way who's a friend and birds and all these creative characters. And then the other one that's coming down the pipeline right now is How I Became a Pirate, which is, again, based on a children's story. And it's all about a kid who learns how to be a pirate through songs and musical and The music is phenomenal. If you haven't listened to it, find it on Spotify. It is so much fun. And and we're even looking at doing a Curious George play. Who doesn't love Curious George? So we've got a ton of really fun things involved. And something that we just started doing with Elephant and Piggy that has been a way to reach and I think inspire even more people was we started doing school shows. Mm-hmm. So we've booked some private groups to school groups who have come in and you know about 60 kids or so and assorted adults with them and then reach a whole new generation of people who maybe wouldn't necessarily go with their parents, just be, maybe they don't know about us or, right. or maybe they haven't heard about the theater space or it's too far maybe. But Mm -hmm. they, you know, we offer decent pricing, a discounted rate for the group, and they got to come and have the whole theater experience. And for many of them, because like we're talking, I think our youngest were like senior kindergarten class, it's some of their very first experiences in the theater, Mm -hmm. especially with COVID. We spent so much time at home and especially kids in school being stuck at home. This is a lot of their first experiences and that's my favorite part of our programming is that regardless of the plays i've been involved in the kids who have seen them walk away with a look of wonder on their faces and i know and this may be corny but i know that while it might not be the same for everybody there are some formative memories that are happening with this first theater like i mentioned at the top of the podcast about me hearing that first chord of phantom of the opera after that opening scene that was my formative theater moment and I know yeah. that some kids are going to be seeing Princess and the Pea or these extra shows of Elephant and Piggy or whatever the other programming is. And they will leave with a new joy, I hope.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think that, again, beautifully leads us into to our next question. I feel like this is, Logan, you keep ending your <laughs> like answers to questions with these like wonderful messages. And I'm like, oh. Amazing! We're just floating next to the next <laughs> question. I don't have to do any fan, like fancy transition work.
1: So what we happens need, when you get artists this. talking in a room? Everybody's like feeling, feeling their feelings and like lovely metaphors.
0: But again, <laughs> artists who can rove between like the stage manager brain and the actor brain of like, okay, we have to oh, yeah. stay on track, but I have to give you the emotive, like, genuine response. I love it. Um, <laughs> so let's talk about theater for young audiences. So. Yes. I feel like most people who are listening or watching, TYA is the acronym for Theater mm-hmm. for Young Audiences. And it is a genre of theater that is, yeah, it's a show that is marketed towards younger audiences. That can be like anywhere from baby ages up yep. until like teens. And it kind of obviously shows will... Their age ranges will kind of fall in between in and around that umbrella, but theater for young audiences is its own little nook of theater. I personally have fallen into that genre a lot coming out of graduation through TYT and also Mm -hmm. through doing other companies' works. I also love working with children, so it's a choice as well as an opportunity. (laughs) Yep. So we've kind of, through talking about TYT and the past programming and upcoming programming and the audience reactions and feedback, clearly theater for young audiences, in my opinion, should be a staple in children's lives because it can offer a whole different scope that has nothing to do with your upbringing it has nothing to do Mm -hmm. with the school system it can be a fresh spontaneous intro into themes and emotions and yes yes so yeah so I guess let's talk about the impact of TYA and what it does and how it is and yeah what are your thoughts of this genre
1: Logan my first first thing I want to talk about is the problem around the opinions on Theater for Young Audiences. So, having interacted with multiple theater schools, even outside of the two I attended, TYA gets a bad rap. Often, people, especially folks who think they're theater academics, kind of poo poo and look down upon theater for young audiences, which I think is a massive mistake. Absolutely. Because as an acting, just an acting exercise, ignoring the impact you have on the kids and whatever else involved, as an acting exercise, you will almost never get a more, a better crash course in how to connect to a character and how to be a genuine person on stage as that character. And like, it's something that a lot of some snobby actors think, oh, oh, but I become the character and I'm having this very like, you know, genuine connection, and it's all can get very vapid and very self-serving. But when you're in a room full of 60 children plus adults, every single children, or it's every single children, every single child is going to look at you, expect this character, and the moment you are not genuine, they will call you on it. You will have like you will have characters who will straight up like, like I'll reference Elephant and Piggy, because we haven't had an audience yet for Princess and the Pea, of course. We are in rehearsals still right now. But in Elephant and Piggy, there's a moment where Piggy leaves the stage. And depending on how gerald has connected with the audience up to that point the kids will just start screaming for peggy because they have latched onto this character and all they want to see is peggy again or when gerald goes zipping around there's a moment where he leaves the stage for some quick change moments and he's back quickly but when he's gone all of a sudden the kids are like well where did the elephant go Mm
2: -hmm. and they
1: start demanding gerald because they've connected so it's As an acting exercise, you cannot be disingenuous. And so often our teachers and mentors tell us "Well, you have to be genuine. You have to connect to the character. You have to be present. And yes, I agree 100 percent. And in some venues and some types of theater, you can lose that connection Mm -hmm. and get away with it, especially with adults, because adults Mm -hmm. will make exceptions because they understand it's theater. They understand it's you you might be having an off day as a performer. Everybody has an off day at their job, but you cannot get away with that with a kid.
0: No. You have yeah. to be
1: genuine and present. Yes. Even if you're not the most disciplined of actors or the most experienced of actors, as long as you are present and in that mm-hmm. character with those kids, you will have an amazing show. And the yeah. moment you're not, and the moment you slip out of that, it can cause some chaos yeah so when tya gets a bad rap i just i don't get it and i just for the people like that who believe that i say you haven't done a tya show most likely yeah because there is that just connection with a character and with audience that i have not found anywhere else
0: absolutely well this uh, like i speaking to this as well like there there is it's honestly some of the hardest shows i've had to do and obviously i mean pantos uh, to just to, to briefly say and pantos mm-hmm. it there is barely any fourth wall in those shows like there's oh, yeah. constant <laughs> interaction you invite the audience to be rowdy in moments and so you not only are do you have to be as strong in your character and strong in what you're telling the story but baked into that, you have to realize that there is a live audience yep. who is with you on this journey and every audience is different. So you literally have a giant character called audience along the ride with you with Pantos. Yes. So just add that as like almost like another piece of camping equipment on your performer backpack. But then there's this space that I've found which requires a lot of discipline as a TYA performer. Oh my of, gosh,
1: I think you were just reading my mind. Sorry, have, continue, but I had yeah. discipline in my mind and a because point for that. Because you have to be genuine. You yep. have
0: to be raw and yourself, but you have to remember that you are acting for um, folks that, little folks, or mm-hmm. <laughs> folks that maybe have never been to theater, or there's many different learning styles in the audience, or, you know, this isn't just you wear your suit and you go with your date to the theater. <laughs> like there are families, there are people on dates. There's there, the audience palette, if you will, for TYA can vary so much. Yes. So it's almost like, and this is I get I guess personally where like the empath in me really sh- gets to shine because you can feel kind of, you have to kind of feel what the audience needs from you in each mm-hmm. show as well. So it does kind of, it's not like, where, for example, I did a Shakespeare last summer and I had that character in me and every night it was that character. And the audience was just there to see that character be on stage because mm-hmm. I didn't need to do anything to that character. But with Pantos especially, but also just the TYA, you you are actor as vehicle, but you're also actor as vehicle and like traffic cop at the same time. A little, it's hard to explain, well, bit, yeah. but it's really like... Yes, your overall objective is to tell the stories on stage, but there is that micro objective that's sprinkled in of you are telling the story on stage for a reason and you're Mm -hmm. welcoming people into that story with you. They're not necessarily just observing it. They're absorbing it. And And sometimes they
1: literally break into the story. Like the kid might get so excited that they do run on stage. You know, there's a line in Elephant and Piggy where Piggy goes banana with me, meaning repeat after me. But just this past weekend or a couple of weekends ago by this podcast, a little girl booked it on stage to do the banana action with our piggy, you know, and that you go to a, a Mervis show. It's going to be a dang hard thing for a kid to get up on that stage and participate in the thing yeah. unless you've set that up, you know? Yeah. And it is it does all relate to that discipline because yeah. you, you do play with the audience. And if you have an audience that for some reason is like clearly people aren't awake because maybe you're doing the matinee show and kids aren't are cranky and parents aren't quite awake yet. You have to find a way as a performer, regardless of your role, to bring that energy up so everyone has a good time as well as if they get out of control, bring that down all while staying in character, singing, dancing and staying present with your cast.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, that's a big one. That's a big present with the (laughs) cast. And especially like for the Pantos as well. I remember just to like share an actual story that happened with the Cinderella extension. We had Curtis Whittle and Jonathan Bosco playing stepsisters and Mm -hmm. I was playing Buttons. And there was an audience where we, my character encourages the audience to boo and hiss the stepsisters because they're part of the baddie squad of that story. And (laughs) I just remember the audience being very buoy and very hissy to the point where again I had done Rapunzel twice up until now. So I felt like I understood the the panto cadences at this point. Yep. And I remember coming backstage and being like, I went up to Curtis and Jonathan. And it wasn't that like they're both brilliant and hilarious. And it was not that like I don't think they could handle it, but I knew me being the character that the audience will follow because yes. buttons, the MC characters in pantos are the ones that are like, you are allowed to boo. You are allowed to like say responses. I'm going to ask you questions. So I knew I was the mom or the teacher in this moment. And so I went to Curtis and Jonathan. And I was like, guys, let me know if it's too much and buttons will like say something <laughs> or help right. something. So it comes to that. Right. And they're like, no, it should be fine. It should be fine. But like, because even I could feel like, okay, we almost lost the train, almost went veered off the track yep. there by no performer's fault. But it was like, okay, what is a game plan if we need? And I was like, okay, me being the person who kind of is the one that gave them these instructions, it makes sense to be the one to pull,
1: the pull them back. A
0: but a then bit. similarly too, like the baddies, even though they're the ones that are hurtling the most over competing with the audience. There's a a zhuzh or like a, yeah, like a finding It's, it requires you to do improv. Like that's another thing I love about Pato's especially, but also with TYA is you cannot sit rigidly in the material because anything could happen. A sound, there could be a kid who has a cough that show and throughout the whole show, (laughs) you have a coughing kid. And what does that mean? Like that can mean in the back of your head, you could be aggravated by it, but you certainly can't show that in the piece. So how do you morph that cough into, you know, it's just, there's so many So having the most groundedness in yourself, but then also supportiveness with your cast. Like, it's not, it's so interesting. I find this is, I think also why I keep gravitating back to TYT because every cast is, you can tell is quite close with one another, but especially with Pantos, I... Me being the extrovert that I am, I grab my energies from other people. (laughs) And I love that pantos require a team mentality throughout everything, throughout the rehearsal, throughout the show run, because it preps, it makes a squad that even if you do have a tricky audience or things go awry or things are different, you can problem solve in the snap of a finger.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: With adult shows, you don't always see that on stage. Like I know I've come back from the play and I've been like, Okay, the story was good. I liked the script, uh, you know, but I I know that I didn't necessarily think it was phenomenal because there was no <laughs> chemistry in the cast. Yes, you know I
1: mean? definitely. Yeah. Just to touch on that, you brought you said present. We've said present a couple times in relation mm-hmm. to it. Something that we neither of us has mentioned about Pantos yet is that there are a lot of gags to them and a lot of clowning involved. You know, you might have a moment where someone swings a beam and the other character has to duck very quickly, but you have to drill that over and over again and it really does add to that discipline that we mentioned because you you have to sometimes find improv within that so yeah. for example me as the dame in princess of the P, I have a moment where i address a line to the audience and my follow-up line to it is depends on the audience not reacting not engaging and then yeah. there's a funny line that invites them in but i also have to prepare for the scenario where i might say my line and get the reaction from the audience that the script is not expecting so then that next line doesn't make sense anymore. Yeah. So you have to adjust in that little moment and that comes with that clowning that comes with that that playing and that being present because you can't let that throw you. Yeah. Because if you wear a panto to me where a panto dies is when you are super rigid with the stri- script because yeah. there's going to be those moments where maybe there's one kid who just doesn't stop booing the entire time. Like literally the whole scene. Maybe they don't ever stop booing when the baddie's on stage. What do you do with that? How do you insert a line within your character and what you're doing that pulls that back? You know, that's not a part of the script. There's just so much. And again, it goes back to that discipline. And truly, if you are looking to be, if you feel you are stuck and are looking to be a better performer, Audition for TYA, even if you don't audition for TYT theater, audition yeah. for a theater for young audiences, because what will what you will get from that experience is so much more than what you came in with, mm-hmm. because you will learn and grow as a performer. And Absolutely, that's why yeah. it's really why I think that, that the fact that a lot of training programs and a lot of theater elites in air quotes, the fact that they don't always view TYA as a super viable option, I think is a mistake.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, I I couldn't agree with you more there. Like I know even personally, like I am so much more confident in myself as performer because I've had the chance and ability to allow myself to play and explore and be goofy, but also be on my toes at the same time. So then, when I do find myself in like a temporary dra- adult drama or a Shakespeare piece, I've done all that inner child work and discipline mm-hmm. with TYA to now add that flavoring to adult shows. And Newsflash, everyone could afford a little bit of inner child massaging, yeah. if you will. Especially folks who aren't in the industry and who do want a night out in the theater, you deserve to laugh and feel things. And TYA absolutely is like that sort of messaging is built in because it is for kids. But more TYA flavoring in adult programming, I am an advocate for because I feel like every adult should remember to be a child and indulge their inner childness.
1: I'm gonna just address this too to the folks, the adults who may be listening who are performers. Every single character has a pleasure to play. Whether you are a cruel person or a fun character or the villain, Mm -hmm. finding that, and actually even when you're a baddie, and I don't mean like a a panto baddie, I mean like a true villainous character, an evil person, you have to find a play in those roles, even just for yourself. Yep. And that play doesn't mean necessarily you're having joy. Yeah. Because when you go to a dark place as a performer, sometimes it's difficult, but finding what does make that play, what makes you, the human being, yep. play in that character. Exactly. You know? And that, and Way I find is a great vehicle for that.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, love that. T-Y-A. Okay. And like low-key
1: plug, audition for TYT Theater because we have a lot of fun.
0: <laughs> yes, a lot of fun. I mean, if you're still listening to this conversation, Logan and I could go on and on and on and on about all of these talking points. I think we haven't mentioned this either, but I feel like it's implied. But I want to say it anyways. TYT Theater, I love that Evan, Evan Harkai, I don't know if we've said Evan's full name yet. So i mean no, Evan yet. Harkay, Implements a check-in and check-out process
2: with with
0: the casts. So basically, this may have come up on other episodes, but I'm just going to reiterate it. So with casts, at the start of every rehearsal, at least with rehearsal, and it probably bleeds into some performances as well, but definitely with rehearsals. When a cast shows up to rehearsal, we circle up and we do a check-in. And basically what a check-in is just A couple minutes, usually only takes like two minutes. Everyone has the opportunity around the circle to check in for the day. This can be anywhere between, I'm feeling good. I'm excited to work. Or it can be like, hey, I had the stomach flu two days ago and I still feel like hot garbage, but (laughs) we're going to work. Or it could be like, I am feeling super terrible in my day-to-day life. But anytime I step into the space, I feel invigorated and I'm ready. Or it could just be like, yeah, I have zero energy and kind of don't want to be here. It is a space to just have the artist acknowledge that they are a human being for a couple seconds.
1: Because we all have human moments.
0: And let the team know just what each individual wants the team to know. And again, me being super empath and I gravitate to people's energies, Mm -hmm. the benefit of that, of the check-in process, is that I can kind of know where everyone is sitting at the top of the day as well as myself. But so for a couple of reasons, one, I know if someone is maybe having an off day and they have a moment of frustration or stress in rehearsal, it's not because of me or anything yes. happening. It might be what they have going on. And I don't have to know the minute details of what they have going on, but it is nice in a shared creative space where we're all vulnerably creating together to yep. to kind of know where everyone is at. And it's just lovely. It's a lovely way. It also to me is such a professional way of entering a work, a creative workspace because yep. not only is it you're kind of getting a little glimpse into what everyone's working through as their human selves, but also it I do find a sense of groundedness and a readiness to work. We are there to to work yep. and play. But like you know, it's not the thing. I don't like the thing of leave it at the door because you can't do that. Like that
1: doesn't acknowledge the human involved. Like don't, exactly. don't, don't hide. The way I look at it is don't hijack the rehearsal yes. with your problems. Yeah. But having that check-in moment at the beginning, it allows us to have a human moment. It allows us to connect. And it does really contribute to, oh my gosh, we've said this word three times and I'm connecting it, presence, being present with the other person. Because you now acknowledge, you see the other person, you go, cool, you're there, I'm here. We have a small understanding of where we're both at, which then allows us to play within those boundaries that we've now just implied or set. Totally. And what I like about being on the production side of TYT stuff as well sometimes is that we carry that check in into other spaces as well. Like if I sit down with Evan and we're figuring out a schedule for the week or we're working in the theater, we will both do a little check with each other. Hey, where are you at today? Cool, I'm here, how are you doing? Oh, you're there, okay, cool. And then we take that into our workspace which then allows us to communicate more clearly, and that does yeah. extend to our stage managers, our all the production team from set, costume, props, etc. There are those check-ins that allow for that humanness to enter the theater.
0: Yeah, and then uh, in my experience, it's not as like devoted as much time as the check-in, but the check-out is at the end of the work time frame, whether it be yep. the end of rehearsal or the end of a meeting. It's just a little bit of like, does anyone have anything they want to say before we break apart? So it could be a reflection on the day. It could be, yeah, I was feeling super garbagey coming in and I just want to reiterate, this team is awesome and I feel better. Like, it's just, again, it's that acknowledging now we're done the work. It's kind of yep. like an intimacy training when you do like a tap in, tap Yes,
1: out, very, very right? similar to some intimacy work.
0: And it doesn't. What I like too is it doesn't – I'm someone who – I love something like that, but I can also feel for colleagues and castmates that maybe are like, oh, this is – something like this is not their jam. They don't feel the need to do that. It doesn't usurp enough time or effort for those people to get yeah. deterred by it. It really is just like, we're here. Let's throw how we're feeling in the space. We're out. Yep. Anyone want to throw how you're feeling in the space? And it just – It really strengthens the whole process, in my opinion.
1: It's literally just like the first five minutes, last two minutes. Like, just, hey, hey, anybody got something to say? Great. You could be a word. You can be like, you know, what's your check-in? I'm floopy. Okay, cool, you're floopy, Yeah,
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) you know? Yeah, it's great, and I just, I think we have talked about this on The Cup before, and I just want to reiterate that I really hope more companies adopt this process because yep. i think it's, it's so healthy y'all
1: well it adds to the sustainability of your acting practice and i mean it does also even it, i feel like sometimes just being acknowledged as a human in the space, especially a space with implied hierarchy. You know, you have the director mm-hmm. or the producer who's kind of, you know, they make more decisions. It's the stage manager's room if the director's not around or the choreographer's not around. Like there is sort of an implied hierarchy and it can bring whole teams together.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Ah, oh, another reason to come <laughs> audition for TYGC. I'll just sprinkle them too.
1: everywhere. Yes. <laughs> little, little nuggets of wisdom.
0: <laughs> so, TYT Theater's home. I know I kind of, spoiler alerted us, or I was going to earlier in this conversation, but we're here now. So, TYT Theater's current home is Witchwood Theatre at the Art, Artscape Witchwood Barns, located near St. Clair West Station in Toronto. So, let's talk about that space a little bit.
1: So it's a really neat space. We're in it's a ninety-two seat. I think it is at maximum capacity. Ninety-two seat theater. There's not a ton of storage space there. So we, what I like about it is, just, is there's a lot of reuse of stuff. It's very like for me, it's a very sustainable practice in that way because you can like. The flats will get used in a bunch of different shows. Sure, they might get cut and changed and painted or or whatever, but we do reuse a lot of our props and stuff and give them more life. So just from a sustainability aspect, it's a really cool space for that. It is, you can probably have very like comfortably up to about eight, I would say total performers on stage at a time, because it is a bit of a smaller venue. Mm -hmm. Um, It is, I'm going to say it's almost like a half black box theater because there's a ton that we can do with that front third of the room that is the stage. And the grid is very accessible. So even from a lighting perspective, there is a lot that we can do within that. Yeah. Uh, Which is kind of awesome. The just even like as a venue for a performer, like there is a dedicated green room with a bathroom and you do have like within the green room, there's some curtains you can pull for more privacy. And you know, there is, a I find a respect that gets fostered there. And of course, we have a great little snack bar for the folks who come in. So it's just a very versatile and fun space. And it's got this lovely, and it doesn't really impact the shows at all, but it's got this lovely, just for a rehearsal space atmosphere of you can open the curtains along the one side and it is a whole bank of like floor to ceiling windows that exit into the park at the side of the Artscape, which would barn. So you get a lovely, like, especially in the summer, you know, you think, oh, I'm rehearsing a play in the summer oh, you're not seeing the sun, Mental health kind of get, get a little bit better of you. So you can open up this space to get this beautiful light coming in that really does give a little bit of extra energy to the space. Absolutely. And if it's a beautiful day, you can even crack the doors open a bit and let some fresh air into your rehearsal space as mm-hmm. well. Um, so it's a really cool and versatile space there. And as a bonus, just from like a technical aspect, it is one of, if not the only theater that has a massive HEPA filter up in the air that an air exchanger, that, so that can do a big turnover of the space just for health and safety purposes very quickly, which is an awesome feature. And it's air conditioned. So if you take your kids to one of our shows in the summer, you will be in a nice, cool environment mm-hmm. before having to exit back into the humidity. And as a bonus, the little park on the side of the art which put Barnes yes. has like a water feature you can That's go play in with you your can. kids after. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> Yeah, it's so great. The barn's space is lovely. I was going to mention that exactly, Logan, of like the, with when you mentioned you could crack the door open. It's so lovely working on a theater for young audiences piece and like just hearing children's laughter in the background on the playground, which is right outside of the theater. And Um, some
1: of them will just like walk up to the window and try to peer in and see what you're doing, you know? (laughs) So it does add another level of interactivity. You know, and then they'll see the poster and go, oh, mom, dad, I want to go to that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Also, an interesting feature of the Witchwood Barnes as well is the whole concourse space. So essentially, it's an old streetcar maintenance building, and it's been refurbished with these rented out spaces for artists. I think there's a daycare in there. There, Yeah, there's there's a daycare
1: We've got like a some sort of film acting studio space in there. There's another little theater space upstairs. Yeah. There's like an artist studio that caters Mm -hmm. to kids. There's Mm -hmm. uh, like just tons of little spaces that are all kind of tucked in together, and they really do create a community there.
0: And then what's lovely as well is throughout. I was going to say in the spring, but also this happens in the winter seasons as well. The concourse space is used as a market space.
1: Yeah, they do a farmer's market every Saturday. They do a
0: farmer's market every Saturday. And then I know over the winter, they did like some Christmas markets. or And that happens right outside the door to Witchwood Theater. So it's a really lovely space to kind of any parents or adults that are even kids listening to this. Of yep. like if you wanna come out to the Witchwood Barnes on say like a Saturday to go through the farmers market in the morning and then catch a show at TYT Theater because the theater yep. is right there and then at the end it's the afternoon and it's a little bit warm outside bring your swimsuit you can go on the splash pad and play in
1: exactly the,
0: play in the park play in the play gym it's just a lovely it's a perfect ambiance and environment for TYT Theater for sure.
1: Yeah. And I mean, the, you can rent the Concord space or the main, it's a barn too, for a ton of different events. And like, the, they'll, it's got this beautiful, like exposed ceiling with vintage looking hanging lights, like just the atmosphere is lovely. And there's been th- anything from the like, concerts there to, you know, services, like, and I'm sure weddings, like it is just a phenomenal space.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. I guess speaking back to being like a performer personally several times in the Witchwood Theater under TYT, it's so, it's such a lovely, it's like the perfect amount of intimate space, I guess is how I'll say it. Because you're right, it is like a half black box. The audience is sitting on like a raked kind of proscenium vibe. But with the lighting grid, like there definitely is a difference between like stage and audience. But the audience is so close to you. Like you can still see everyone in. You can't necessarily see everyone fully. It's like this halfway between. Yeah. It's the. It's not the you're standing on a stage and you just see a sea of black. And now you're acting to the spotlights and you're completely alone. But it's also not like you're acting and people are sitting right in front of you and you're scared that if there's a fight bit or something physical, you're gonna hit them. It is this perfect balance. They are just as much in the space as you, but it still is a distance between like audience and performer.
1: Yeah, yeah. And what I'd add to that too, just from a producing perspective and directing perspective as a show, there are moments too where just based on how the grid is, like we can light the audience directly from above. So if you start, Like, if our narrator character starts directly talking to the audience off the top, we might not dim it to black over the audience right away because they are actively now being integrated as that extra character. Right. You know, like there's Back to Elephant and Piggy, one of the final numbers is an interactive number with the audience. I know this because i run the sound and lighting board for it all. We have a cue that the moment the audience is addressed by these characters, the lights overhead do brighten up a little bit so that all of a sudden there's a nice warm glow on the audience that now brings you into the world of the play. And we really make use of that in our pantos, especially where it is so interactive. So it allows for that really nice level of intimacy with the folks who are in the space. Um, and they do really feel a part of the journey that you're on.
0: Yeah. And a little fun fact bonus too, TYT offers meet and greets at the end of most of their shows. So basically when the show ends, the actors will go off stage and they will mask up for health and safety reasons and come back out. And our wonderful front of house staff usually creates a little line and friends little kids or big kids or both can meet the actors afterwards as well and take a photo, ask questions here and there. I also just love that extra initiative that TYT does as well, because I think that is like going one step beyond it. You've already created such a community space with the (laughs) content of the show. And like you just said, Logan, like inviting audiences in via either lighting or actively asking them to participate. But It's you enter the next step of like educational and emotional experience because you are allowing the folks to kind of get a one-on-one connection, closer connection to the characters they just witnessed. But then also from like a kid's point of view, from an educational standpoint too, they're realizing that this is a person who plays this character. And because, you know, we come out still in costume, but there is that like, hey, did you enjoy the show? So they get to experience of like, oh, my goodness, I was just in this wonderful magic reality with this person. But then this Mm -hmm. is also a person who genuinely wants to know me in the real world, too. Yes. You know? Yes. Super funny. I did have to, I had to pivot a magic I had like a magic carpet moment, I guess, as I'll call it. A little girl came up to me when I was playing Buttons in Cinderella. And she was like, hey, weren't you the one who played Rapunzel? And there was also other kids around. So I had that like Disney moment of, <laughs> I want to answer this child's question. Because I think it's brilliant that she picked that out. But there was other kids around. So I yeah. didn't want to disrupt the illusion, if need be. So I was like oh, yes, Rapunzel and Buttons are great friends. Or, like, I'm really great friends with Rapunzel. Yeah. And just to see the little girl, like, not only understand that I, like, said it to her in code, but thought it was really cool that I said it to her. So that's just yeah. a phenomenal thing, too. Because it's, again, it's, I think there's a trap This happens with TIA too. And especially with, like, Disney of parents being like, oh, my goodness, like, everything has to be magical and you can't disrupt, like, They have to know that it is this and it is that. And I'm like, they do. But also, in the world we live in now, like, innocence can be lost as soon as like junior kindergarten with media and exposure to things. And it's totally okay if a child is. brilliant enough to voice that they realize an actor plays a character. Like I think there's obviously like different situations in a balancing act that you can can have in mind dealing with each child. But
1: Well, like for yeah. example, with that actually to Elephant and Piggy, we have kids who will go up and they want Elephant's autograph or they want Piggy's autograph because yeah. these are the books that they have now been read as, as kids yeah. and are part of their formative years. So then to me, the other sort of side of that is like, you also want to be like, yeah, I'm elephant, depending on who this, you know, what the interaction is. Like, you don't want to be like, yes, I'm always elephant. But like, yeah, like I play elephant. Yeah, gladly. This, you know, or however you would want to, however you would want to approach that. Yeah. It's just this lovely experience you're also giving them. Like, there was one kid who had, I think he had seen other Shows with these characters, like a live performance, maybe not of an elephant and piggies were in a play, but mm-hmm. some sort of elephant and piggy moment because he had other elephants that had signed in his book and wanted this other elephant or the squirrels or whomever. Yeah. And it was neat because the opening weekend, I had to tell the cast, I was like, y'all, start practicing between scenes your signatures because there's kids with books in the audience and I think they're coming for an autograph. <laughs> you yeah. know, so he, all the squirrels got together and figured out what, it, what they'd want to do. Um, And it also comes back to that sort of like interacting with kids can be hilarious because they'll also always be brutally honest. And there was one kid who went right up to the guy who was playing Gerald. He's like, "Can you sign my book?" Like super confidently, he signed the book. And then his mom was like, "Do you want piggies and squirrels?" He was like, "Nope," and just turned and left. Like (laughs) knows what he wants. So funny. Like knows exactly what he wants, and then he's gone. Like it was so funny.
0: Oh, that's so great. Yeah,
1: the meet and greets are one of my favorite parts, especially when like for the pantos, a lot of the kids will dress up as like princes and princesses or like little fairy tale creatures. And they just get so excited to come up and like, oh, I'm meeting Rapunzel or Cinderella or this pirate captain or, oh, the stepsisters or like, it's all these like fun little moments that really nurture the soul, I think, and nurture the heart.
0: Absolutely. That's, yeah.
1: Which also goes to like, I that's why I love TYA because when to touch on what you said about innocence potentially being lost at an early age, because we're in a very, you know, not to go into a ton of detail, we're in a very scary period of history right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So finding those moments that when you are, I find that sometimes because I'm also neurodivergent, when sometimes my brain gets a little bit hot or a little bit spooky, being able to go and just like, see that wonder in a kid's face, or the parent who cried during that emotional scene that came out of nowhere, or yeah. you know the excitement of the kids. Like we had a school show where kids obviously have small bladders. They would go out with the teacher and then try to book it back into the space because they just wanted to see the rest of the show. That kind of thing really does give you a lift when things get scary.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah again you're (laughs) leaving it's not
1: intentional
0: no i (laughs) love i love when interviews go like this because it's like it's again we're talking about things that we have both have experience in but like through this iteration of the cup is why i've said this before i love the cup interviews because it's like we learn from each other as we're discussing and we learn through and we talk through and it's all about community and acknowledging that and indulging that. It's just ugh, all the goodies, all the well, goody feelies.
1: What I like really about or the
0: baddies. Kind of, oh, I was the baddies—they're
1: <laughs> fun. But what I really like about that too is that it also gives us a chance. As I was going to say, young performers. Like, and sure, we are like young in age relatively, but I mean, new mm-hmm. performers or newer performers. Like I've. Though I did a bunch of school and I've done shows through school and worked on a couple shows since, like I think I'm like five or six shows in a professional capacity or semi-professional capacity, we still bring a lot of experience to the table. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to acting, so much about acting is your own life experiences. You know, how do I find this joy in this character? Okay, what can I do for myself? The technique that we were at least I was taught was, you know, if you're playing a character who is deeply in love with this other character, but you've never been in love with another person, how can you find how can you use your own experiences? And I don't mean method acting. No, no, no. Big X on my side. No, no, no. But I mean, how do you generate that same level of love within yourself for this other character yeah, without understanding what that love is so like mine might be like i'm very close with my family so i've got a big familial love in my life so i know what it feels like to be loved
0: yep Yeah. so how
1: do i let myself have that moment on stage or how do i in no not let myself have that moment because again that sort of sounds like method to me how do i How do I?
0: How do you implement or infuse the situation? Yeah, yeah. What you know? Yeah.
1: How do you give that situation the proper weight?
0: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And how do you express that on stage in this character body that is not your experience? Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. I've I've never been the minder of a prince of a kingdom. You know, I now have to figure out. Like, I've never been a parent, but I know how I've babysat people. I know how I take care of my pets, which actually I'm being visited by one right now. You know, how to nurture and that love of family. Because for my backstory in my head, there's a familial relationship to this uh, prince character. How, like, I can pull from my experience and so then when me the dame is looking at the prince, I can go, I want to make sure this person finds happiness.
0: Exactly. Because yep.
1: I can relate that to like, I felt that way to someone else. So I know how I would feel in that moment. And yep. then you apply it, right? So it allows people with perhaps a shorter resume of experience still talk about acting because there is something relevant to say.
0: Absolutely, yeah.
1: If anything, sorry, I'm being beckoned by, this is Tanner.
0: You can oh, make, hey, Tanner. Uh, oh.
1: He is a bit of a... Um, kitty cat little two-faced sometimes he likes the pets and then we'll you know flip on a, on a what was it turn on a dime yeah anyways he'll, he's my little comfort cat when i'm on the computer yeah. Um, but yeah so it it allows folks to have these conversations because our experiences are valid and if yeah. anything we having just or more recently gone through an acting program can tell you what works when you're early in the thing or at least yeah sure it's through a lens of what works for us but it doesn't invalidate that experience as an acting Mm -hmm. tool as well. Like I've learned more from my peers who are of a similar experience level than necessarily a teacher that I had in school
2: Mm -hmm.
1: because it's also like, Hey, we're going to teach you seven different acting methods. The list is this long and figure out your own little personal da 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 da. And there's some things that are like, cool. I literally had a teacher who told me, yeah, this is part of a curriculum that came out in 1960 something and hasn't been changed since. And I'm like, then why is it relevant?
2: Yeah. Yeah. When
1: we have like six other methods that are better, six other acting techniques that are better or more sustainable or whatever.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's, it is, it's through conversation and community with others. Like, and I think like, dialing back to the thesis of this conversation of like TYA is absolutely a genre of theater that requires that. But then it's through being a part of that and going on those types of journeys that again, we've touched on this stepping outside of that, whether that means in different, wearing different hats in the industry Mm -hmm. or going into a different genre, you are taking what you've learned through TYA. And one of those main learning points are through community and team building and genuine support you will be the best you can be and yep. the team because the team around you is or you will help infuse and then the team will become that as well and it's always i found a little i think it was like a meme or not a meme but just like a like an inspirational image on facebook i think it was today and it was a little stick figure sitting on one book And then the side of it was a stick figure climbing up a stack of books. And I'm paraphrasing, but the stick figure on the one book was like, this is where you're at when you have it in your head. You've learned everything. Yep. And then this is where you can go when you have it in your head that there's always room to grow, kind of. It was, and it's, and it's, I was like, oh my gosh, I resonate so much with this because I feel like every day we were just learning and pivoting and learning, like doing so many things.
1: I think humans operate at their best when we're in a constant state of learning and, un- and unlearning. Yes. You know, And you can do that at any age, at any point in time. You can make a pivot and you can expand your mind. There is no cap on being a human. Yep. On human experience.
2: Oh, that's good. That's you gonna know? snap there, that. that that's there is good. no
1: ceiling. <laughs> and I, like another thing that I would point out is like, Beyonce still rehearses. Mm -hmm. Meryl Streep still learns something different for every role, you know. All these people who folks consider perhaps at the top of their game are still always learning, and unlearning, and they stay at the top of the game because they have an understanding that there is no ceiling to be a human and there is no ceiling to human experiences. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: So every day they're able to take something else in and then toss something else away. Especially as we learn more about, you know, not to pivot too far from the conversation, but the more we learn about ourselves and the more we learn about the human experience, like different kinds of genders or Mm -hmm. sexualities or the different minutiae of intersectionality, Mm -hmm. that illuminates so many different things. And I think we're responsible, and through TYA especially, we can open our eyes to a little bit of that relearning again, because we put ourselves in front of a group of people who are in that learning space, Mm -hmm. who are being affected. Mm -hmm. And I hope that in turn, that lets the actors who engage with that be affected as well.
0: Yeah, I think just to kind of, I won't spoil the queen that I'm playing in Princess and the Pea, but just to give a little share on this note. So I'm playing, Queen Green Pleasant. That's hard to say. Yeah. Uh, Queen Green Pleasant. She is the baddie in this. She is like the villain, quote unquote, character. But her villainy, and I've talked to Evan, who's director and writer, as Logan's mentioned on this piece, about what this baddie villain looks like, because she's certainly not a Gothel, like a Rapunzel yeah. Gothel, like deep, dark, like, oh, I have a mischievous plan. She's... It's interesting. I kind of have her in my mind as a quirky baddie. With that, I kind of want to open up a little bit here of what I'm doing with her so far in the process is this queen who is considered the antagonist in this pantomime. She is very rigid and very stoic to tradition and ordered and things have to go their way. But then as the show progresses, I won't spoil too much, she m- melts a little bit. I feel like that's a good mm-hmm. that's a good mm-hmm. word to use because she's a very
1: grinchy and <laughs> she,
0: well she melts also because she's escorted or joined by cheesiness. That's all I'll say as nope. the show goes on. But she kind of taps in what does it mean when she taps into her goofiness? What does it yep. mean when things have to change? How can This idea of change, break away from routine, do all (gasps) being silly. What is all this? And then at the end, I won't spoil, but you kind of see a different queen. And it's interesting as we kind of are in rehearsals, I'm realizing this could be a lot of adult figures that our kids in the audience know. They know these types of adults who are very set in their ways and very ordered and very structured. And some of them, it's not by their own fault. It's, yep. being a parent, it's hard. It requires routine. But the rigidness of parenthood, I think, is something us as a society can work on destructuring a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so it's gonna be really interesting. Like I look forward to as we keep building this character, our audience's feedback of seeing our baddie melt, like I said yep. earlier, and have change and routine and breakdown of routine kind of yep. poke at her through the other characters, through the content of the piece, and hope that is a fun experiences for the kids in the audience. And I hope it is an eye-opening experiences for some of the adults too, right?
1: Well, it's a prime example of a character or a person, like really, you can relate to anybody, of this character having an opinion, Mm -hmm. follow, you know, opinion, followed by a human experience that shifts their perspective, Yep. And gives them a new opinion of things. Yeah. You know, it is direct cause and effect of growth.
0: And she's still the same human throughout that whole journey. Yep. It's just allowing a little bit in and a little bit out. And, yeah. She and doesn't
1: lose that journey. Yeah. She doesn't lose her identity as a character. But yeah. yeah, it's just like letting out a little bit of air from the balloon that is the queen that mm-hmm. then gets a breath of fresh perspective and air that yep. reinflates her.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: What, am I, what are these metaphors? Like?
0: I love it. We, we love it. We have, Keep in mind, we started this conversation talking about, like, we're in springtime. We're blossoming. And You're this conversation, wrong. we have just sprinkled <laughs> in lovely imagery. For those of you listening and not watching us, I hope you have an audiobook of metaphors just infusing your commute. This is um, where,
1: like, a Twitter account would come in handy, and you just, like, <laughs> quote the little tidbits. If Twitter wasn't a dumpster fire, like it is right now, just like put out those little tidbits of information that pop up from your various talks.
0: Yeah, I think we've you've talked a lot about the different hats you've worn. You've talked about how you've been a stage manager, you've done producing, you are now performing. Get good um, at
1: multitasking in this industry.
0: <laughs> yes, yes, that is something that is a common thread we've talked about on here, but that no. is, especially in the Canadian theater climate. Yeah. Yes. It, Utilize all your skills and and all your time.
1: Like I'm the only way I'm able to like show up to rehearsals in my present, like a present state while juggling all the things I'm juggling is because I use like every hour that I have on those workdays. Like I commute an hour and, ch- and change to the theater from my home. And that is an hour and change of listening to rehearsal tracks, li- reading my lines. Like I people have skirted around me as the like unstable person on the go train because I'm talking in a female British sort of voice through these <laughs> lines muttering to myself. Like, <laughs> you know, you, you get strange looks but that's what you do for the love of it, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you want to talk about your role that you've just recently enlisted in? Yeah, so
1: I had the lovely opportunity of getting a grant from CITT. I cannot remember what that (laughs) acronym stands for off the top of my head. It's something about like it's CI, like theater technicians or something. It's a. We'll pop it
0: in, in the comments or the chats.
1: Yeah. It's basically, it's a group that helps facilitate and support training of the technical side of theater in certain roles. And I was able to get a grant that allowed me to start working in the theater as, and learn how to produce and production coordinate. So I've been able to do that for the last three months or so, which has sort of helped me develop as a person in the industry, because it's also like, I'm looking at a lot of schedules and figuring out timelines and, Mm -hmm. and learning a ton about what the heck theater is from literally what shows are we going to do? what you know, potentially what the budget is on the show? How big, you know, how big is it going to be? Do you think when are possible extension dates to, who's going to be on the team to having auditions, to helping you know input with potentially with different actors and oh do you know what you know bringing people into the fold like our choreographer on Francis and the P is someone who had auditioned for the theatre before who I knew we knew was looking to dance or choreograph and so it's like like having impact on potentially who you are assembling as a team. Yeah. It's been really, cool. We love really you, Erin. Cool.
0: Sorry, just shouting out, Erin.
1: Yes, our choreographer, Erin <laughs> Becker. She's amazing. And uh, we had our first choreo day this week, and it was just so much fun. And mm-hmm. we fully choreographed both numbers, and it's like I'm really looking forward to putting continuing to work on that and putting it all yeah. together. But it's just, oh, yeah, it really is a
0: beast. There's so many. Oh, I know,
1: <laughs> oh, I know. It's a musical theater. It might be a panto, but there's a bit of musical theater involved, so it's a lot of moving parts, literally. Yes. yes. Um, but even just
0: even the, the role you're talking about, like the role you have with via this grant is puzzle pieces. Of yeah. Like oh, gosh. Yeah. To scheduling. To oh, my
1: gosh. There's games. so many bits. <laughs> and as an actor, you don't think about that. Right. you just like I show up in the space. I've learned my lines or I'm learning my lines in the music and I'm here to be present.
2: Yeah.
1: But there's whole teams running around behind you that you don't you, you don't necessarily know all that they're doing. And so it's that sort of peeking behind the curtain, like, you know, the Wizard of Oz moment of pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. I get to be the man behind the curtain and learn actively on this grant, which has led to me as of April. I'm going to be continuing with the company in a producing and education, actually, capacity because of these school shows. It's going to be part of my job is going to be reaching out to all these different schools in the area and figuring out if there is interest for certain shows and then coordinating talking about puzzle pieces coordinating that with around rehearsals so like we're going to have two or three shows rehearsing so if they want a private show it's like okay when is it going to be around what rehearsals is the cast available Uh, you know can we fit extra shows in at certain times you know Can we accommodate how many people do they have? Oh, it's multiple classes, so we need a double show day, or da-da-da-da, like all these little pieces. And I'm excited because it it does allow me to put my analytical brain to use. And then through Princess and the Pea, which opens April 21st, by the way, plug, 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 I'm able to satisfy the artistic side of my brain. Right. So I'm getting a lot of both sides and it's so much fun. It can be stressful because you're balancing a lot of things at once, but it is such a fun time yeah because you get to do a lot of different things and meet a lot of different people mm-hmm. and have really cool artistic conversations about kids theater like you like know like we're
0: doing right now exactly
1: <laughs> so even like the admin work is fulfilling creatively as well
0: totally. yeah absolutely it's just
1: fun i mean anybody who's listening who's in the canadian theater industry you know you've got to do a bunch of things all at once and yep you do, to plug my favorite movie currently, you do everything everywhere all at once. Yes. (laughs) Uh, It's just so much fun and it really is fulfilling if you let it. And if you find the right people to do it, (laughs) kind of casual employment plug. Always make, like, don't be afraid to step away from something if the people make it unfulfilling. Especially in this industry, there's so many people making theater and so many ways to get involved in the theater industry in Canada, that there, there will be another group that you get with. Yeah. There will be another company that will give you an opportunity. And even as a performer, if maybe you go for a while without getting an audition, there will be more shows. There will yeah. be more chances to learn and grow and connections to make. It's it's great. It's I love it. And being a part of, and potentially finding people to join in that community Yes. Is a lovely opportunity that I've had. Like with our choreographer for Elephant and Piggy, I posted on my Facebook and said, Hey, we need a choreographer. She was the first to comment. And it was somebody who I worked with over a decade prior in one of my formative theater experiences. I did Guys and Dolls at Scarborough Music Theater when I was 17, 18, Mm -hmm. drove out to Scarborough every, like almost every day, a couple days from like after school to make Mm -hmm. rehearsals. And it was just, so much fun and I loved working with her so I went yes I want you involved please if you're able to and then that was her first contract with TYT and she's going to come back again she's going to be having a baby soon so she's put a bit of choreographing on the back burner but she wants to come back again after when she's able so it's helping grow that community with, with that grant as well is has been fun
0: yeah totally and also I guess like as a fun plug too like I, when I'm not in rehearsal or in shows, I help out with concessions at TYT Mm -hmm. Theatre or ushering. Um, He's one of our
1: amazing front of house staff.
0: To kind of, yeah, to kind of speak to what you just talked about, Logan, of like you can still, even if you are in between contracts or you're figuring something out on your journey being a Canadian artist, like involving yourself with the people that you know make you a better person and in the environments that encourage you to -hmm. put your best foot forward absolutely i'm like i would love to still be in tyt theater in some shape or form i'm gonna help out with concessions and ushering and be in that environment and be in that space and again i a couple weeks ago i had the privilege of ushering a school show so that was an interesting experience as well because it's kind of a fresher thing for tyt to do and i was the usher in that circumstance and so it was wonderful looking out and seeing mostly kids in the audience and like having that experience of get them giving me, I was just waving them out the theater, but some of them get, came up and gave me a high five. They took that as an opportunity for high fives. And I was like, yes. So yeah, TYT theater is just a wonderful orb of brilliance across all fields
1: and there's opportunities to learn no matter what you're doing like we've got one of our front of house staff who is in school for something film related i can't remember off the top of my head is shadowing evan our director in an ad capacity Mm -hmm. like you know like there's all different kinds of different ways to be involved as well and it's just it's a great place to be i've my life not to get corny or, you know, not like we have been corny and like emotionally <laughs> charged, you know, during this conversation at all. Yeah. But my life truly, re- did, oh my God, what's the word? The direction of my life, the trajectory. That was the word I was mm. looking for. Trajectory of my life shifted immensely to the positive the moment I started getting involved with TYT Theatre. And yes, I am biased. I am in one of their shows. I stage manage and, you know, work in a, different capacities at the theatre. But it really is just a fantastic place to be.
0: Absolutely, I will stand by that and reiterate everything you just said too. Like likewise. So on that note, let's plug some TYT theater. So yeah. map out for us Princess in the P and then what are some of the social media pages and venues that our listeners and viewers can follow?
1: Yeah. So the next show that we're opening is Princess and the P on April 21st. Uh, we have Friday shows at 6.30 p.m. and then weekend shows at noon and 3.30 every weekend until May 14th right now. If it sells well and um, there's an the option potentially to add a couple weekends in there if folks are interested. It's going to be so much fun to do and it's going to be a great, great show. And you get biased opinion, but some of the Stuff that we're working into it, once we've drilled it a bunch and have it in our bodies so that things don't go too awry, it's going to be entertaining for everybody involved. And you can actually check out that and all of the other shows that are starting up and running currently on our website. It's just tytheater.com. Pretty straightforward. You go to the On Our Stages link, and that'll give you the breakdown of all the dates and direct links to the different ticket sites, as well as little blurbs about the, about the plays, like recommended ages, length and time etc. And you can also find us in a more active capacity on at TYT theater on Instagram. There's also a chat option on our website that sends, we'll send a message directly to one of our staff who will then answer when able. You can inquire about like private performances and anything that way. And then Mm -hmm. we'll make it into the hands of the right person and go from there.
0: Yeah. Love that. Follow, follow, follow. I think on that note, Logan, we can sign us out. Do you have any yeah. last minute? I mean, like I said, we have have wonderful nuggets of yeah. information <laughs> and advice or experience that we've peppered in. But is there any final statements that, that are resonating with you?
1: I would say my thesis statement or my closing yes. arguments for this conversation <laughs> would be never count out TYA. Mm-hmm. Never count out TYA. Because how do we make new a new generation of artists and become exposed to art yeah you know inspiring young minds is probably one of the most rewarding things that you can do and you don't know your interaction and how or how your interaction will impact there's Absolutely. A, a lovely story I was told years ago I makes mean, you sound like an old you know I'm a really old you know way back in my <laughs> youth I got this Lovely story of this person who was describing their lollipop moment and a lollipop moment was for them, what it was, they were giving out lollipops to people. I can't remember what the context was, but who were like standing in line, essentially a big, long line. And they were handing out these lollipops and talking to the people along the way. And there was one person who they handed a lollipop to and had a conversation with who was in a very dark space in their mind and and dark part of their life and this person who was handing out these lollipops ran into that individual years later who essentially said to them that it was that lollipop and that human interaction yep that completely changed their day Mm -hmm. so you don't know what you do in your life That, sorry, you don't know how the things you do in your life will affect other people. Yeah. And how do we make more compassionate people? We expose them to the things that matter, like art. Uh, I think it was Churchill who said something along the lines of, like, not to (laughs) I feel like I'm on, like, my this is my soapbox moment. But it was, (laughs) if we don't have the arts, what are we fighting for? Yeah. If we don't have our culture, what are we fighting for? If we don't have our things, like our music and our, joys that come from the, even our TV shows. If we're not protecting our arts, then mm-hmm. what are we really protecting? Yeah. Because it does, like, an artist can express themselves, like, do we do at the end of the day when we're so frustrated that we just wanna zone out, we binge a TV show? Mm-hmm. Every single one of the people involved, from the editor to the director, to even the producer, to the writer, to the actors, they're all artists yep so if we were to lose all of that all of that culture that regardless of what the show is regardless of what the music is the play is if all that's gone what are we living for even Mm -hmm. you know like it's just there's so much in there and inspiring young people with their first theatrical performance yeah it's not a small thing
0: Nope. Yeah. And
1: you will learn so much from those interactions every single step of the way. Absolutely. You may even realize you don't want kids from, us, you know, or sure. you really want kids. You yeah. Know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's a lot it- you can learn from them as much as you are giving them an experience that is unique to them.
0: Yeah. Two words like the phrase you said, it's been resonating throughout your whole statement there interact to impact or interact will impact. Like they're, there's that, and I think it goes back to what we have chatted about a lot today of when there's commun- like interaction, meaning community, when you're mm-hmm. in dialogue with someone or when you're in shared space with someone or shared experiencing or unlearning, relearning, there is an impact there. Mm-hmm. It might be you are the one impacted. It might be you are the one doing the impacting. It might mean an impact in a way that you never thought you would feel this way it could be a positive impact could be a negative and you impact. may
1: never know mm-hmm. that the impact happened exactly you yeah. may never ever find out the yeah. effect that you've had on someone else like you know yeah. like the lollipop moment he may never have met up with that individual again and yeah. would never understand or know the positive effect that they had on that person's life yep but you are making an impact Yes. In your own, you know, small way.
0: Indeed. So support the arts. Yes. <laughs> impact each other. Come support TYT Theatre and all mm-hmm. the amazing, astonishing work that has been done in the past. And that is coming up down the line throughout 2023, including our upcoming show, Princess in the P, which again, we'll plug. Logan will be playing yep. Dame Peachy Poppins. Hello. I will be playing... Queen Green Pleasant. And yeah, that's going to be happening April 21st to May 14th. Potential for some extra shows if sales go well. So support the arts. Come bring yourselves, bring your kids, bring all the vibes. Let us
1: entertain you for an afternoon. I promise it'll be worth it. That's
0: great. And again, not to plug us even more, but like we did some scene work the other day, Logan and I, and we (laughs) have a lot of awesome, fun chemistry on stage. And I'm really excited to just ratchet up our our vibes, our characters' vibes to each other. It's great. I feel like
1: there's going to be a moment or two where we just hear, at least once during the run, I think we'll hear a crowd of kids just go, Oh, yeah. Oh,
0: yeah. yeah. There's a history there that, that it's just so great. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll pop all that information down in the comments below, as well as, yeah, reiterating the social handles that Logan has provided us with. On that note, as always, if you are listening or watching, go ahead, follow Cup of Hemlock Theater on YouTube, like, share, subscribe, pop in the comments, and you can follow us on any podcast platform you so choose. We are also on Instagram and Facebook, all the lovely things. Stay safe, stay healthy as usual, and we'll catch you on the next episode of The Cup. Cheers.
1: Cheers.